Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done only as he ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to what he would have me to speak to you, his sons and daughters. Let's use each and every episode to help us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room, which is racism in the body of Christ. For too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep this issue under the rug while pretending and acting as though it didn't exist. You can help and support this podcast through your love and prayers, and also by telling your families, friends, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server under this title. And remember, If for some reason you don't receive it through the uploads or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. Hello and once again, welcome to another episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. Last week, there were two releases from this podcast. On Wednesday, February 9th, God used me to release a powerful prophetic warning concerning his rejection of the church and Christianity as we know it. For those who have not heard it as of yet, please go to the buzzsprout.com app, type in the title of this podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, and you should be able to pull it up from there. The previous Monday of last week, The first part of this episode was released entitled Institutional Rot. God spoke to us saying that not every evangelical Christian or pastor has turned to follow the political false prophets who are speaking to the church today. In that episode, I quoted from people like Tim Darable, the president of Christianity Today, a well-known Christian magazine, as well as David Brooks, a conservative writer for the New York Times. These men, both of whom are white, have spoken out against popular evangelicals who support Donald Trump and his agendas. Needless to say that they have both come under heavy fire because of it. However, what these men have spoken is much of the same things that I personally have said. They question the morals, honor, integrity, and character of the man that a great majority of white evangelicals are following, thus leading to the questioning of their own morals, integrity, and character. They both speak against the institutional rock that's been at the foundation of the church for years. In an article that I made mention of last week, written by Mr. Brooks, it states, and again I quote, the embrace of Trump is the proximate cause of the turmoil among Christians. It continues with saying that Trump is the embodiment of many of the raw wounds that already existed in parts of the white evangelical world. Misogyny, racism, racial obliviousness, 
celebrity worship, resentment, and the willingness to sacrifice principle for power, end quote. Let it be understood that Donald Trump didn't cause the wounds. The wounds were already there. As a young mother, I couldn't always afford disposable diapers, so more often than not, I used cloth ones. Again, not often, but once in a while, my baby would develop a diaper rash. In spite of the ointments and various pastes that could be applied and that were on the market, I learned that the best thing for a diaper rash was to remove his diaper and just let the fresh air hit it. In other words, expose the raw areas to the open. In just a matter of a few hours, if that long, the rash would be gone. The wounds of the church, the raw areas were never allowed to be exposed and brought out into the open, but were covered over and over with one thing after another. In order to distract from the wounds and rots of racism, misogyny, white supremacy, and so many other things in the church, the prosperity message began. What other way to keep people from focusing on the real issues than to keep them blinded with hope. That hope being that their poverty and misery would be assuaged with finances. But giving them hope wasn't enough. That hope came with an attachment. That attachment being that they had to give up what they already didn't have. To add insult to injury, I can't say that it was completely thought through, but in some way or another, it was realized that when the blessings and prosperity didn't occur as being taught, someone had to take the blame. That blame would be placed on the giver themselves. Even to being told and taught to many mixed as well as segregated congregations that blacks were under the curse of Ham, the son of Noah. Never mind that the curse was under the law, and even under the law, the curse was only to the third or fourth generation. Never mind that Jesus took the curse on him at Calvary. In spite of all Christians being under grace and the blessing, this was being taught then and even now to explain why blacks are not blessed in the same way that whites are. White evangelicals were willing to preach and teach the curse of Ham and place the blame on blacks simply because they were black as explanations instead of placing the blame where it should be placed. And that's on the blatant racism that is still so prevalent in this nation as well as the church to this very hour. When teaching about giving, the law of the tithe is true and real. However, like so much of the Bible, it has been used by so many pastors, televangelists, prophets, and leaders to deceive people, black as well as whites, into giving. This promise of God was used with ulterior motives, hidden agendas, and self-serving motivations. And because it was used with these lying tactics, it was not taught completely, truthfully, or effectively. Thus, for many, it never did and never will operate according to the word and the will of God. If giving is not taught and practiced according to covenant, then it will not accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. 
So why does it seem to work for the pastors, televangelists, prophets, and leaders, those who teach it? Because for so many of them, the giving that they teach and the way they teach it works like a Ponzi scheme. The only ones who benefit are the ones at the very top. Recently, I was listening to a podcast where one of the speakers quoted someone saying, when did the church go from the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. saying, let freedom ring to bling bling? We must always remember our motives for doing what we do. If we're giving just to get back, we will never accomplish our goals. When we give because we walk in covenant with God and are giving according to that covenant, then God will honor our giving. Also, we must remember that we give to God, even when we give through an avenue ordained by God, such as a church. We must give because we love the Lord our God, whom we serve with our whole hearts and our whole souls. And we must give as he instructs, a tithe and an offering, as well as being cheerful givers. That's all part of our honor, integrity, and morals. It's a part of having character. It's part of our covenant with the Father through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Black people were deceived, duped, I might even say made fool of, fools of, by the white evangelicals through being taught the prosperity message. After keeping blacks in poverty for hundreds of years, they began to teach this message from the pulpit, taking what little black folks had from them with the lie of prosperity. They basically begin to teach a word of, if you're poor, then it's your fault for not giving what you've got to the church. Now, please don't misunderstand me. As I've stated many times before, I am a faithful tither and a cheerful giver. Every donation, social security, or whatever else comes into my hand, I give a tithe directly to God along with an offering. I give it through the avenue that God has directed me, but ultimately I give it to God. There's a difference. When I give to God the way he has directed me, it's like paying my bills through an app. My mortgage company has an app with my account set up. I use the app to give the money to whom it's owed. Once I receive my confirmation that they've received it, it's the responsibility of the app set up by my mortgage company to see to it that it goes where it's supposed to go. If the app or the company that takes the money does something else with it, I am not held accountable. They cannot take my money and place it in someone else's account and then make me pay again. Once that money is in their hands, if they lose it, my account is still credited with my payment. Once God knows I've given him what's his through the avenue that he has directed me to give, he will deal with them that misuses what's his. However, my covenant with him is still intact because I have obeyed his word. Also, 
When I give God what's his, it's not for the purpose of me trying to get something from him. God is not my personal Santa Claus, my genie, or my sugar daddy. When we give to God, it's on his terms, according to his word and his covenant. I give because I love him and trust him. That's part of not having hidden agendas, ulterior motives, or self-serving motivations. When was the last time you asked God or asked yourself why you were doing what you're doing? Why are you thinking about doing or wanting a certain thing? We need to ask ourselves, what are our motives for doing or wanting the things that we do or want? Do I have hidden agendas or self-serving motivations? Are there ulterior motives for this thing? We must look at ourselves to see our own morals, honor, and integrity. What is your character really saying about you? Not the one you want everyone else to see, but who you truly are. And when we know that we're people with all, with all of the morals, honor, and integrity, and character that we should have, then we must demand the same of those that we follow and we are around. That also includes our private households. If we want our children and grandchildren to be men and women of honor and integrity, then we must exemplify those traits in front of them. We must live those lives before them. If I'm going to have a pastor that I follow, then that pastor must be a man or woman of character, morals, honor, and integrity. How can I believe in follow and support someone with any less, especially if those are qualities in my own life. Throughout the word of God, various men were referred to and honored as men of integrity. Jesus himself was known as a man of integrity. Even when he was being questioned by the Pharisees and the Herodians, all knew and acknowledged that he was a man of integrity. So now, for the benefit of racism and white supremacy, this character trait can be deleted from the Bible and denied, totally ignored. In that case, it also means that being Christian is not truly being Christ-like. It changes the very definition and focus of Christianity. The 18th verse of Luke in the Amplified Classic Edition reads, be careful, therefore, how you listen. But to whom who has spiritual knowledge will more be given. And from him who does not have spiritual knowledge, even what he thinks and guesses and supposes that he has will be taken away. We must be careful of how we listen. We must also be careful of who we listen to. Sisters and brothers, we must learn to hear God's voice for ourselves. As I always say, no father wants his child born deaf. It's always been our father's will that all of his children would learn to hear his voice. We must develop spiritual knowledge so that which we think we have will not be taken from us. In the words of Dr. Tony Evans, and I quote, 
Believers who aren't regularly feeding on God's word are malnourished. It's not enough just to be under the teaching of the Bible weekly in church. We also need to be in the word daily. When we want to hear from God in his word more than we want to eat, we are on the way to developing healthy spiritual lives, end quote. When we rely on someone else to feed our spirits and eat on only what they give us, then what little we had is slowly being siphoned away. Eventually, nothing will be left. Last week, one of the questions I posed to you, the listeners of this podcast was, who and what gets more of your attention? Is it the news on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, or God? Who influences you who influences you more? The news commentators and politicians or the Holy Ghost? And one final question. Who died for your sins? Was it the person you're following politically or the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Selah. Pause and think about that for a while. Jesus said in John 17, 20 through 23, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed to the Father that we, the church, would be one as he and the Father are one. He went on to say that when we would be brought to complete unity, then the world would know that he was the one the Father had sent and that God loves us as he loves his son. Because of the racism, bigotry, deceit, lies, trickery, and all else that's a part of the institutional rot in the church and body of Christ, that has never, ever happened. With evangelism, witnessing, missions, revival, and everything else that the church does, the world still doesn't know that God sent his only begotten son. Why? It's not because there aren't enough satellites or countries and people that can't be reached physically. It's because people can see right through the lies and deceptions of Christians and the church, and they want no part of it. Those outside of the church can see the rot better and more clearly than those that are on the inside of the church. And again, they want nothing to do with it. It's Christians who are destroying Christianity. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. 
God bless each and every one of you. And thank you so much for listening.